Retro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released on Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and as always, is my fe- fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. I guess <laughs> It's a mouthful, and we don't do it as often as we should uh, or did <laughs> previously, so I think some of the muscle memory may be gone there. But I am with me as, as always. always here. <laughs> as always. As always. Yeah. So, or as usual. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, what uh, what has been on the docket? Yes. So um, as I uh, as we were kind of talking offline, effectively, I, uh, <laughs> I've been playing uh, Spider-Man 2. But I did not ever finish uh, Baldur's Gate three. Um, my the way that my party is built, it was not. Um, it is not equipped, ill-equipped for that final battle, and so uh, my s- spell selection. There are a couple things that would have made it a whole lot easier, and so I've taken a break from it for probably six weeks and <laughs> have not finished it. <laughs> because because uh, I just need to go back and rethink it. Because some of those battles take so long for yeah. me. Uh, because I did not, I don't, I didn't build my party the way you did. So, yeah. uh, some of the, some of the battles are a little bit harder. And so I have, uh, switched gears and now I'm playing Spider-Man two. Um, and Spider-Man two is a blast. It is more of the same, but better, uh, in terms of like gameplay and mechanics, one of the most fun things to do, uh, and my daughter, my five-year-old loves to do as well, is just swing around as Spider-Man. And it is it is just that much fun to do, is to go from building to building and just see if you can go to the tallest building. She loves to run around as fast as you can and then jump and catch a building and then just swing around town. And she would do that for the duration if she was, you know, given the choice. So uh, being Spider-Man is a lot of fun. You get to play as Miles Morales and Peter Parker. You can switch between the two characters uh, pretty much at will. Um, And you, as you level up, you get uh, experience, skill points, and you can assign them to skills that go directly to both Spider-Man or you can also select uh, skills that are uh, specific to each character. And so that's pretty cool. There's a lot of um, like your style of play. I imagine you can max out both characters if you wanted to. But uh, right. I have uh, but I've had a lot of fun literally just doing the side quests. I have not advanced the story much. I've played for about 20 hours of just being um, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and not pushing the story. That's you know, so funny. Rescuing people, cats out of trees, stuff like that. Have you run into any bugs though? Because that's blowing up online, the bugs. <laughs> it not me. I haven't seen any, but I haven't gotten that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's not true. It has crashed twice. It has crashed just in the middle of the game where it's not responsive and then it would go right. It would, it would crash to the, actually the whole PlayStation crashed. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't, yeah. That's the. I, I guess I didn't really think about that. Yeah, those those bugs were pretty uh, pretty annoying those two times. But that's the only thing I've happened so far. Played about twenty hours, but it did. I mean, that's a pretty significant bug to crash the whole the whole yeah. system. You know, not just to the main menu, but to shut down your PlayStation. So. Uh, but yeah, I, other than that, I mean, it has been a lot of fun and it is, it is a, it is a good game, but the bugs, the bug thing, I, I can tell, uh, it may be an issue the more I play it. So, right. Right. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I've been doing my rogue rebels. I have had some hit or misses. I would say the biggest hit recently was Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. I finally got to play that. It's and fun. That's it's a fun. great game. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, it's not underrated because everyone, I think, loves it. Uh, right. But I just hadn't had a chance to play it before. It, like, 
matching the evidence to the testimony and cross-examining the witness is super fun. Also, for a little bit, I may have said things like, I would make a great attorney. Like, <laughs> I think it might have given me a false sense of confidence about my own skills in a courtroom. Uh, but yeah, it, it's really good. I just played through the like first case that you get. Um, I haven't picked it up again, but um, I am sort of planning to. I'm going to be home over Thanksgiving and my family doesn't have any internet or anything, so I'm probably just going to stream it on my phone through the data yeah. and, and play that way. Um, I've also picked up a Lego Jurassic Park on the Switch for my holiday. I haven't played it yet, but it looks so cute, and I was like, it can't be bad. i got to give it a go. Yeah. No, most of the Lego games are, are pretty solid. You know, they're pretty solid. It looked fun. Someone gave me a game gift card for my birthday in September, and I was like, oh, I'll pick up something for the Switch for the plane and, yeah. you know, get give it a try. So I'm going to do that. And then after we record this, I will probably play uh, Dungeons 4. I, something like that is on my list. Uh, yeah, Dungeons okay. 4, if, it, if it's out, <laughs> unless uh, sometimes I get lied to about the release dates because uh, I don't think the media is always 100% sure when something's coming out live. But yeah, that's no. that's sort of where I've been, what I've been up to in, in the gaming verse. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Professor Layton's another one that's pretty good. And I actually have that one on uh, my – it's on my phone. I've right. got it on the mobile. But uh, it's it, that's a pretty good game that they've transferred from – the the Nintendo DS to the Switch, and now you can even get it on your phone. So. Sweet. Yeah. Well, nice. Well, what I thought we'd do today is, since we haven't recorded in a while, but uh, a lot of stuff has happened and we're close to Thanksgiving, that we would throw it all on the table and just do a smorgasbord of news, information, things that are you know exciting, stuff that's coming up. Um, you know, Maybe uh, throw in a couple things that kind of uh, shed light on the future of gaming. Uh, or what's kind of coming up. And so, uh, and from what I can tell, our notes really don't overlap at all. So that's good. We we are both going to get to share all of our stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, you want to go first? You want to throw something out there? Yeah. Uh, so I'll start off with the MetaQuest 3. I don't know if you have watched much on TikTok. I know I've sent you one, but there are like loads of use cases of people getting the MetaQuest or the Oculus 3. Um, and using it in their daily life. It's apparently got like a fully responsive uh, AR touchscreen interface, which makes it great if you want to just do general quality of life stuff, like watch a show while you're washing dishes or like whatever. Um, and some of the games that have launched with this that have these like AR environments that do room scanning and everything seem incredible, like really fun. Now they're not high fidelity graphics from what I can tell. They are more Nintendo-esque, you know, a sort of switchy kind of yeah, stylized. Style. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I love Slime Rancher and things like that. And it's sort of like that vibe. So I, I'm very tempted, to be honest. I'm tempted for a lot of reasons. Uh, some of them, in retrospect, seemed a bit dangerous. <laughs> because my initial thing was, I could wear this while having a bath. Amazing. <laughs> Please yeah, don't I do did. that. That's yeah, actually probably, not probably a bad idea. But I was like, yeah. how nice, because I could have a full-size screen in the bath. <laughs> like, what the heck? Um, yeah. You know, and maybe, maybe you don't wear it while washing dishes. I'm just thinking about the electronics, you know, being that. But anyhow, I think it's interesting. Uh, it looks good. I would probably want to go somewhere where I can try it, though, because I do get really strong motion sickness, and I'm not sure that I would be able to overcome it just because I can see the environment. But um, I'm going to be looking out to see when Game and some of these other stores might have it in stock to try because yeah. it's not that that expensive i put that in quotes and i've been a good girl this christmas so uh nice. you know it might be yeah. something that we invest in a household obviously you know this summer we finally picked up a used switch you know it, we got this gift card from switching our broadband and i thought like why not i've been saying it yeah. for years and we really have gotten a lot of enjoyment out of the switch like you know even just casually as we use it we only own three games for it and still, I'm sure we've put hours and hours into it. So MetaQuest looking good. It might be a Christmas idea. <laughs> what do you got? 
I saw that TikTok uh, that you sent me, and that looked really – I mean, that looked really cool. That's the first time I've seen the AR uh, – incorporated that well into like an area where normally you'll you'll see something that doesn't really interact as well with the environment and you can't interact with it it's usually just there and only you can see it and even though that's kind of the case for this it seems like uh it's just so much more immersive and it can take your environment and it and it i mean there were walls getting knocked out and things coming yeah, through the walls so cool. and, like that seemed really cool and, and and i can see the potential for where you could go with something like that even stylized graphics which to be honest i would much rather it be that way than a little too realistic <laughs> at least yeah, at this I point think for me. about like i'm gonna trip on something but it's fine yeah. it's fine <laughs> it's fine you know i mean it's the it's unless the floor gets obstructed uh the walls being like that and the ceiling i thought that was pretty cool touch so yeah um let's see in in terms of my notes i tried to keep it as positive as possible and so one of the you know i, I know i said i was off the uh I was I was uh, off the the trainer fell off the wagon and then I was back on the wagon and I fell off the wagon for World of Warcraft. The wow wagon. Well, I have been tracking it. I have not played in probably six months, uh, but um, so I've been sober for six months from uh, <laughs> World of Warcraft. But uh, BlizzCon just happened, and uh, I always follow, follow uh, Talius and Inevitel on. YouTube and I'm still up with the lore. I know what's happening in the game. I'm just not playing. Well, BlizzCon just happened and they just announced, uh, they just dropped the trailer for the new expansion and, uh, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, they, they did a really good job. Uh, it, it's the best looking trailer that they've ever had. It was the most realistic looking trailer and it's with Anduin and Thrall for those that are, you know, keeping score at home. Uh, it was a it was a much more intimate trailer, so it wasn't like a lot of action, but it was exposition addressing an issue that has not been addressed in the game. That's kind of a, a meta joke, yeah. About this giant sword in Silithus that nobody it's like, what well, y'all just left it there, and there's no purpose for it. Why yeah. is it here, and what's happening? Um, well, they're addressing it now, but I think the most significant thing about that is the fact that they announced three expansions at the same time. So there are, and and the way that they're, um, the way they explained it, and I actually really like this. They're comparing it to the Marvel model of like this roadmap, right? Right. And I think that's a, I think that's a bad uh, comparison. I, it, I think it's it's operative. It's probably accurate. But I don't. It's accurate, but I don't know that it's the best way because I think Marvel sort of has lost the. Uh, They've uh, they grabbed hold of the tail of a tiger, and I don't know that they know what to do with it right now. It's way too big. Yeah. Their their you know their universe is too big, but I think this is the way to tell a story. If you're you know at least give us an idea of the direction, because Talius and Avatel make a really good point. Every expansion, you get to the end, there are characters that aren't addressed. I mean, there's so many characters in the story, and you're like, well, this guy's been gone for three years. Where did, where was he? Well, if you do it this way, you can see the end. You can see like this whole narrative thread. And it's not like this is its own entity and, and sort of exists in a vacuum. And then the next expansion exists in a vacuum and they don't really tie together very well. It's like everything's sort of navigating. And this is a through line for maybe the next six or nine years wow. of kind of what the story is going to. I think it's more six years is probably what it's going to be. Yeah. But uh, for the next six years, you're going to have this this uh, story uh, and and you can fall and you can track it and you kind of have an idea where it's going. And I think that's much more exciting because you can be reassured these plot threads are going to be tied up and stuff. So I yeah. think it, I think in the end, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing and it's a good thing. I think all of it is a good thing, uh, a net positive for the direction. They also brought back, and to me, this is the most important part. They brought back Chris Metzen, who is sort of the father of, <laughs> of world of, of Warcraft lore, right? Uh, he's the he's the vo the voice of Thrall to begin with, always has been, right? And uh, and he's also the that one of the lead writers, and so all of the story beats that we've been so excited about and that I've tracked for the last twenty years because this will be the twentieth anniversary. <laughs> Played this Jeez. game for twenty. I can't. Years. I can't even think about it. it I know. It's getting I know. people so hyped though. Like there are. 
rumblings from guilds that have been long dead that are thinking like, well, the kids are grown now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy to even think about. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the thing the case. is like, I really feel like a fair amount of guilds died about 10 or so years ago right. and they've gone and they've had children and the children are kind of old enough that they can take care of themselves relatively. I think some of the hardcore gamers from the 2000s, early 2010s will be picking up the mantle again because I think 100%. they achieved something with the trailer and the storyboard outline that got people excited about the future of the lore, the future of the world that they can get back into, you know, um, more so than just here are some pandas, you know, which is, sort you know, of- and even, <laughs> even Miss of Pandaria was a good expansion it is once you got past the pandas and the fact that the pandas, the people that didn't know that the, that there were actually pandas in Warcraft three, you know? And so like, it's not like they pulled that out of nowhere. But they, I mean, they kind of did, but they created everything else around it. But I th- they did a good job of that and creating a character that was compelling and, and a whole other allied race that was compelling and their whole purpose for being. I mean, they made sense. They made that work. I think that they lost sight of that with a lot of these expansions and the and the way that they were doing it and and kind of the gross capitalization on microtransactions and some of the other things that have plagued Blizzard's other games. Yeah, were kind of they were weaving their way into Warcraft and like that being such a large portion of their day to day players, like the people who interact with Blizzard products, yeah, are World of Warcraft uh, uh, participants. And so, I think that they've. Re- I hope you know that it's at least somewhat genuine that they've realized this is this is sort of our honeypot. Let's go back to what really matters in this instance. I mean, they're making money hand over fist with these games as well. I know it costs money, but they're making money on them. And so uh, it's a narrative driven game. It's one of the reasons why it's been as popular as it has been is because it had really good lore to begin with. Yeah. And then they had great story throughout the course of, of, you know, the last 20 years. Uh, It's had some dips. It probably peaked at, at Wrath of the Lich King and has sort of moseyed its way uh, downward uh, and and had peaks and valleys in there. But I think this is a huge step up and, and a huge step forward for for Blizzard and, and World of Warcraft. So I'm I'm actually excited and I will I will not lie to myself and say I'm not going to probably. Oh, you are I'm definitely gonna going to. I'm going to buy it. Buy it. I'm gonna yeah. buy it. <laughs> the second I saw the trailer, I said, well, there Stacy goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I'm what doing. I'll be playing when it comes out. Yeah. So. But listen, yeah. I think for the first time I'm even interested. Like it, it did, it did sort of pique my curiosity. I thought, you know, I've got a decent setup. It might be able, you know, I've got a much bigger monitor than I ever had back in the day, you know, and I've got a decent keyboard and it's got big old keys. Like I probably could, I probably could make it work, you know? (laughs) We're not taking it off the table. Yeah, exactly. Good news, everyone. Like (laughs) Good news, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, Well, I think that's probably a decent enough segue you know, keeping it light, keeping it positive for the moment. I, you know, I, I do have maybe not all light news, but there was a discussion on Forbes and I'll, we'll link it to it in the notes. Um, there was a discussion on Forbes about modern games and are they getting more buggy? Because, uh, you know, you, you've seen some of the bugs, I'm sure, for Spider-Man 2 and um, Starfield and let's not even talk about uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and, you know, all that sort yeah. of stuff. And um, the discussion is, is are games actually getting more buggy or is there another reason why people are starting to demand um, beta access before they pre-order and things like that? And I think personally for me, it's probably a mixed bag. Like back in the day before, you know, social media was as big as it was and especially TikTok, which for some reason really lends itself to zeroing in on what you're interested in. And so you get fed bugs faster. (laughs) If, uh, you know, it's the amplification of one person finds a bug, thinks it's funny or shameful or whatever. And that becomes an echo chamber that bounces all around the fairly small community of gamers, you know, uh, in the media space and then gets pushed out to everyone. So I think there's a bit of an echo chamber where it bounces around and seems maybe worse than it is in a lot of instances. 
but also is that previously they they did used to release complete games like whole entire games and i think that now we may be less tolerant of bugs than we were in the future because the price point is higher. We were sold maybe a multi-part, multi-act experience, you know. Like when I started playing Diablo and I finished the story arc and then was like, oh my God, there's literally nothing to do. Like this is just going to be a slog from 50 to 100. And at 98, it's like, half as hard you know like that's the the climb they've they've exponentially increased the difficulty to achieve the next level at that yeah yeah and then and then the this malignant season the malignant came out and i thought okay awesome we've got more content okay i can do this i can oh no we have to make a new character okay we can't we can't use the one that we okay fantastic that's not a problem we'll make a new character surely you've made enough content oh i have to go through the whole story again okay no problem i'll do that and then you go through the season and the season is maybe i'll be generous and say 10 missions you know 10 10 things and then it's over and then it's back to the grind again except now the grind is worse because there's like extra bits like enemies that you accidentally fight twice if you click on something that you didn't I I hate that I hate that that makes that like that would that makes me angry like thinking (laughs) about that because it's so disingenuous it's so it's so transparent but what you have to do is zoom out and you have to look at it and say let's be honest this is bullshit like this right here is is trash that you you could have easily look charge a little less for it and then add it, tack it on at the end. Hey, here's a little bit. Of, here's a DLC. Man, I paid for every DLC for Mass Effect, every single yeah. one. And every single one of them, I say, was absolutely worth it because I enjoyed the world so much. I didn't have to start over for any of it. It, it tacked on. In fact, I could go do other missions for the, the main game and go back and do that if I wanted to. It, it just seamlessly integrated. And that, to me, is maybe one of the most egregious uh, time sinks purposefully, purposeful time sinks to to tack on time to make it seem like it's so much more fleshed out than it really is. Yeah, and it's obvious. I think that we're seeing that, and, and I think our tolerance for putting up with that stuff is has has diminished to the point that maybe uh, the money is speaking for uh, the the people are speaking with their wallets, and and maybe not, or there's enough negative publicity that it is isn't worth it to the people who are just trying to cash in and on all this stuff. Um, I think uh, to that point, uh, you know, like the, the fact that um, AI is such a big deal right now in, in my field, just in, in, in my profession, but in gaming right now, the ability to artificially generate actors, voice actors mm. uh, without their consent, the ability right now, you can actually, Create a an entire YouTube channel using artificial intelligence. Oh my god! Yeah, I have heard will, of that. I have heard of that. that. It will it will do video. It will do yeah. audio, and it will it will write your script for you. Yeah. You, yeah, I <laughs> you know. You don't even. And well, it's I, like I just uh, went through the adventure of self publishing on the Kindle uh, last week, and it asks you now. Did you use AI to create any part of this? And then when you say yes or no, then it asks you specifically what, like whether it was text and how much, like whether you edited it a lot or a little or copy and pasted directly, whether it was uh, video, whether it was images, like like if Amazon is specifically asking publishers now, I think that right now we're in like a like a lull period before the crackdown really will happen because that YouTube video is a perfect example. These AAA publishers want all of the money all of the time. They are not going to put up with little people making things as good as theirs because they've used AI. So they will call copyright foul because they can afford to pay the, you know, actors and stuff like that. They will make sure that these tools die, that nobody can use them, right? Or they'll they'll be so expensive because they need to pay royalties and stuff like that, that no one will be able to afford it because 
even though I don't agree with using AI to create this sort of stuff, because it really does kill jobs and artists. And you've seen how good the voice acting in Baldur's Gate is. Like people are obsessed with Astarian in real life, a voice acting dude. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Carlac. Like I would marry Carlac <laughs> if Carlac was that person. Like, it's like <laughs> he's is, a real person. Which is so yeah. fun and funny to me. But I think that if, if, if there's a possibility for you to get that level of voice acting out of an AI tool, the AAA companies are going to shut this down because it is too big of a risk. They want to have these people under lock and key. They want them to sign these terrible contracts that they can't get out of and all this sort of stuff. So um, yeah, that, that is quite worrisome to me on multiple fronts. And I don't think we can figure out how to deal with it. I don't know they have either because it's evolving so quickly. One of the things, and this is, and we can move on to something more positive, but one of the things that I saw the other day, uh, so I was following this YouTube channel. I'm not going to name it because I can't, I'm going to speculate here. And so I don't want to incriminate a channel that in, uh, you know, un, improperly uh, or incorrectly, but there's a, there's a YouTube channel that I, that I was following and, and they had some provocative um Topics. They were going in depth on things, and and sort of in in to echo you, unironically, as an echo chamber for me. Like this was stuff I was thinking that was happening, or yada yada. And so some of it was uh, a little bit on. Uh, I would say a lot of it is controversial, but I think it's it was, and it, and most of it had to do with technology. Well, I was watching one of the videos, and it was it. This video actually, uh, the result of this video was for me to unfollow this channel, unsubscribe and to no longer, I wouldn't click on another thing that they do because when uh, the video, they were putting out so many videos so fast, really long videos and videos that were written like, like 50 minute videos, hour and a half videos, 45 minute videos doing it like two, twice a week. And I'm like, I know how hard it is for us to record how hard it must be to get someone to write a script like that, to do the editing and the video editing and all of this stuff to get two hour long videos out. I was like, there's just this, something's not right. So the very first advertisement in this last video that I saw on this channel was for one of these video AI websites that can create <laughs> video artificial intelligence uh, driven video content that will match whatever, uh, whatever script that will also read, they'll write the script, they'll read the script, they'll create. I said, man, is this meta? Like, is this company, this channel advertising the product they use to create this channel? I was like, man, this is like, this was the strangest thing. I was like, okay. So I was convinced that because I started, I started wondering because the first 10 or 15 minutes of the video would be so redundant. They wouldn't be getting to the point. I said, this is like reading, a chat GPT script where it's, it's using user data, user information to write and talk about something, but never get to the point. It's like, it's not wrong, but it definitely isn't right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's why I was like, okay, well, I'm done with this particular channel. And I believe, but I think in the end, that's, that's where it's going. And, but it's right now it's transparent because it's, it's, it's working off of models that are already out there. Yeah. And and so it can only do it can only really repeat or regurgitate or learn from what's been published. Well, it's uh, it's so funny that you talk about regurgitate what's been published. Have you seen the Teespring T-shirt AI Twitter controversy this week? No. (laughs) So uh, you know how there are those like T-shirts that are like really specific or look to be like knockoffs of things that you know would never be on a T-shirt and stuff. Well, turns out right. there are bots that troll, troll Twitter. And if someone says something like, I want that on a shirt, that it literally takes whatever they were talking about it and puts it on a shirt. This is like an AI tool that does it, right? Well, artists started realizing that, especially artists in the fantasy space, in the gaming space and things like that, that of course create totally unique concepts all the time. Well, people will be like, oh my God, that's amazing. I want that on a shirt. And then someone goes, no, don't say that. The bots will come for my art. And within like minutes, there was multiple websites selling this artist shirt that they don't get any money on and stuff like that. So anyway, people started to get clever. Yeah. They started um, making 
horrible, offensive Disney art, right? And then commenting and saying, I want this on a shirt. Even go so far as saying like, Disney, please sue this company into oblivion. And then having that be on a shirt because the bots don't know, right? So anyway, it's going to be so interesting to see if these big companies step in and sue these little t-shirt making companies into oblivion because it actually would really help artists that are getting their stuff stolen all the time. Well, I mean, if you, you know, and you, you don't say, I mean, there's, there's probably a small contingency of people from a country somewhere that uh, are taking advantage of, of these less than ethical business practices and just throwing it out there in mass and just throwing these bots out there in mass so that they can accumulate get all this data and then they're making it's like uh superman 3 the plot where you're just making pennies on a transaction but you have millions of transactions so yeah. you're making <laughs> tens of millions of dollars because of all that wow. um yeah just it's crazy but yeah th- i think that's that is going to be interesting i guess we'll see um I'm sure that AI, and I know it does have, uh, it's a tool like your cell phone. It's a tool. It can be used for something positive. I have yet to figure out exactly what it is yet. Uh, I'm sure we'll get there, but um, something to keep an eye on anyway. So, Excellent. What you got next? Uh, well, that was mine, of course. I read oh, okay. it for a bit. So. Yeah. <laughs> it segued nicely, both of ours, and they dovetailed. That's good. <clears throat> well, I've got an I've got a uh, a couple things that uh, I kind of want to keep it keep it positive again. I know GTA Six is supposed to be announced soon. Yeah, so the um, the trailer is going to drop in early December. Although the news that the trailer were coming was leaked, and the creators behind Halo like shot back and I've linked to that article because they're like, these leaks have to stop. It's an abuse of trust when you're inside the company, and this is Rockstar's. 20 or 25th anniversary and they were really excited to do something big announcing the trailer and stuff like that and it's kind of taken the wind out of their sails as a company with not a whole lot to look forward to let's be honest you get a paycheck blah 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 i think all the people that worked on this game deserve the opportunity to announce it in a way that they can be excited and participate in so um hey I, i love that the halo dev came to bat for you know, a, a different development team. I think that's really positive. And I think that people probably should stop doing leaks because not first off, not all the time are they accurate. And then right. you just get people disappointed for stuff that doesn't actually happen or whatever. But um, when they are accurate, if you're putting out unfinished stuff or taking the wind out of people's sails, that sucks, man. Like, <laughs> right. So I am well, excited I- about GTA though, because come on. I mean, it's GTA six. The other one, I mean, it lasted 10 years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it was, it was a good game. I, I, I mean, I had it and I played it for a while. I never really played the online stuff, but I know that's really the most driving force. And they made hundreds of millions of dollars on the, on the online, uh, portion of that game. And that's what really gave it the life that it had. Uh, but GTA six, I mean, that's a big announcement. I know, um, and I, I probably will play it as well. What I think is interesting and kind of segues nice with that is the fact that PS5 has pushed and, – and, and I link GTA or I kind of lump them in with this because in a way they are a part of the problem is the uh, live service yeah. portion of that game. Uh, PS5 has pushed off the majority of their uh, live service endeavors – uh, sort of indefinitely at this point. They had 12 live service games that were coming up, 12 live service games that were coming up that they've postponed. Uh, and part of it is because of the negative backlash that they were getting because they were really trying to push this move to a, a digital, exclusively digital console experience where you had to be plugged in to, to enjoy it at all. Uh, and that it was... And, and, and that's, again, not inherently bad. The problem is, is that you you put a chokehold on content, you put it, you control everything about the experience. And so if you are disingenuous or unethical or uh, choose to 
milk that content as much as possible for financial gain, that is that is not in the best interest of the consumer. That is not in, that's not even in good faith with the consumer. Yeah, you know, you are creating a project or a, you're creating a product, and then and then slowly releasing pieces of it uh, to maximize financial gain, and that is that is that is business. It, I don't believe it to be. Uh, objectively, I think it's not good business, you know, and it's, it's definitely not in the best interest of gamers. So, yeah. And I think that, that segue is nice to the conversation about the price of microtransactions as well, because all these yeah. live services always have skins or something or yada that you can buy. Like it's never just, you buy the thing and that's it. Um, right. there's always these microtransactions and now with Fortnite and some other games getting $20 skins and stuff like that is crazy that is the cost of a full indie game and i think that when you're in the game environment you are actually incapable of thinking rationally about the cost comparison of things i feel like regulators need to step in at this point and help people make better decisions because i know me when i'm in a game that i am enjoying i forget that $20 could buy me a whole nother game that I'm yeah. actually not going to enjoy that skin that much that, you know, it takes me like 25 minutes of real life time to make that amount of money. Like, am I really going to love this skin that much? Like, um, yeah. I, I think there's an opportunity for us as buyers, of course, to push back. Maybe we try not to buy $20 skins, but if the price of games is now 70 bucks, yeah, the price of microtransactions cannot be 20. This is crazy now, you yeah. know? Um, well, especially for a skin. I mean, 70 bucks for an entire experience versus 20, 20 bucks. For a skin. I know. And what if you buy three skins? You could have bought a triple A game almost. This is crazy. It's crazy. Perspective is lost in situations like that. I think that's one thing that Warcraft, to a degree, has in its favor. Is World of Warcraft has had microtransactions to a degree, but the community has been so averse to letting the store have anything that you can't earn in game. Good, like don't. Yeah, well, and and it has. I think it has had a positive effect on the experience and on what they've chosen to put on the store. And anytime they've ever tried to kind of deviate from that, I mean, it's gnashing of teeth and tearing clothes. People Good. are just like very. They're upset about it, and I think rightly so. The the Diablo community is not the same exact. There's a there's a Venn diagram. There's overlap, but it's not the same. It's not the same population. It, it's similar with Call of Duty or Overwatch. You got people who enjoy Blizzard products, and then you have the ones that enjoy all Blizzard products. And they're not always the same people. It's not the same complete group of people. And so, the the Warcraft community has fought back against it. But I think there's a lot of people who just have, they didn't grow up in an environment, or they didn't come up in gaming in an environment that was so adamantly opposed to that type of financial practice by a company that they don't really get to see or that, or they, they didn't have that sort of um, that to use the term we've used multiple times today, the echo chamber <laughs> to, to keep uh, more times than we've ever used it. I think uh, to keep, uh, and I think in a positive way, because in that instance, I think you needed enough, enough noise from the community to prevent them or just, you know, kind of curb that sort of behavior from a company. Do you know what's so um, funny though? You've actually triggered a story that I forgot about. And that was the new Overwatch 2 character, which is a good news story because finally like a fully Polynesian representing sort of character. Incredible. I don't think, I can't think of a single one in any other game off the top of my no. head, aside from maybe Moana, but that's not, I mean, that's I not think, really I think there's one in, I think there's one in, uh, Street Fighter, I think, but it's but they also have like sixty characters now, so yeah. I, I think that there is one. But anyway, incredible. I mean, I'm I'm not sure what language that he's speaking, but it sounds at least to my untrained ear derivatively Polynesian in some way. Like the vibes yeah. are right, the look is right. Like oh, he's got the tribal tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I was so excited to see that character. That to me is probably one of the more original looking playable characters that I've seen for any of these sort of games for a while, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the fact that he's not a skin, he's, he's an actual hero. And he's an actual and, character. Yeah, I great. think, I think that's good. And to, to kind of punctuate this particular topic, I think it's, I think having 
genuine um, genuine inclusion that not only makes sense but is but is comes from a comes from a place of love like we we genuinely love this character we we genuinely have pride and love for this culture and we want to incorporate this or whatever the character is for the for the reasons that they should be included not shoehorned in just because it's trying to be a cash grab for whatever the local holiday is or anything yeah. it's because here's a need and here's a character and here's one that's fleshed out that makes sense yeah they like got we a backstory. wanted to tank what makes sense like what would be awesome that yeah i love that's that. right and if there's and if it makes sense, if you're trying, if if you're really ham fisting this and and making it obvious that you're only doing this because you're trying to 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 grab publicity for LBGTQ or something, but if there is a character that you want to make that is LBGTQ that has a backstory and it's it's not it doesn't just happen to be June, it can be any month, and you just and you put that character in, well then absolutely more power to you, and I'm I, I think that is a that that reflects better on the on the company as a whole but i also think that that is received better by the community because it seems to come from a, a good a positive place the 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 appropriate place and not done just to make money or to get the right kind of publicity or anything else and so i think that's what i mean moana is 5 years old or 6 years old so it's not like they're trying to to grab the you know the right on the coattails of the movie they're there uh, this is a character that was probably a passion project for somebody and they wanted to get it into the game and they did so yeah i agree that's that's those those things are always good stories so um speaking of uh kind of a you know shifting or at least uh, taking something and, and maybe going in, a, in an un unexpected direction did you see that they're going to make a, a live action zelda movie and it's not a April Fool's joke. No. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of information out there, but there's a lot of feelers. Nintendo right now is trying to to sort of take on Hollywood. Right. Um, and so uh, as as a gaming Amazon adjacent Fallout. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and it's not like uh, there are there are there aren't a lot of examples of this being done well, but if you saw the, the Mario movie, like I love that movie. Like I watch that movie a couple times a month, at least because my daughter loves it. Okay, I, know. I was going to say, I, I, don't like, watch I, it. I liked it, but there were some times where I was like, I am in a child's movie. Like <laughs> I am alone. Well, <laughs> I do it in the comfort of my home, but the, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I've watched it a number of times with her. So we probably watched it five or six times since it came out. And it's it's a good movie to put on in the background if there was like if you liked any kind of animated movie it's it's funny it's it was done well and again I think it came from a, a from the from the right place like the people who were making it genuinely loved the material and put together something that I think you could be proud of regardless of the content it's just a good movie um, and uh, I think. Nintendo is one of those companies that isn't just going to license their stuff to people to ruin it. They learned that lesson, I think, in the early 90s with Zelda, with the, all of those terrible Laserdisc games. If you've, if you've ever seen, they're meme-worthy. They are memes. So I haven't even uh, thought just, about Laserdisc in, like, just as many years. <laughs> who has? You know, if I hadn't said it, most people listening probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> it looked like a record or a giant, a, just an obscenely large DVD is what it looked like. Um, but, uh, you know, so they had these, they had these games, uh, on Laserdisc and, and they were terrible. All of them were just super terrible. And, uh, I think that they've learned lessons that Nintendo's seal of approval that they used in the eighties, uh, has sort of carried over in their and their forays into, um, cinema, I think are all going to be quality, or at least they're really being careful about how they go about it. And so I'm, I'd be interested to see. I think that they that could be a good movie. Like Zelda has plenty of lore, and they've got. I mean, the characters are fleshed out pretty well. And Zelda is not even the main character, which is funny because most people think that's the name of. No, it's not. That's the princess, you know. And uh, but she, but she's an awesome character, you know. And she's been fleshed out over time. She's not just stuck in a castle for Mario to to save. And yeah. so there's a whole lot more to it than that. But I thought that that was interesting. Um, and that, that could be, uh, that could be something that's pretty cool. Um, I have, I only really have one or two other things. Do you have, what else do you have? I just have one on more. Cool. 
Do you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, good news story. The last one I thought I'd finish on a high note at least. So um, there have been some initial looks at the OLED Steam Deck. I know that people that use Steam and prefer PC games, you know, love the Steam Deck as is. Um, But the initial reviews of the new higher def, better resolution, bright OLED screen on the Steam Deck OLED are incredibly good. They're saying things like this is, you know, the way it was meant to look, blah, blah, blah. Like this is the best experience that you can get. Um, So I think if you haven't picked up a Steam Deck yet, then maybe, you know, wait for, for the OLED and get that. Um, The prices are fairly reasonable as well. I say that in air quotes, obviously, depending on your budget. But you can get uh, a 256 uh, gigabyte Steam Deck, or sorry, 512 gigabyte Steam Deck for the OLED version, which is 549 US dollars. And while that is a lot for a handhold, it is not a lot for a console. Um, And this is like a console experience. Um, And I, I would say it doesn't, it's not a whole lot more than the Switch. And most of the games from the Switch, in my opinion, are not new releases. They're like regurgitations of old games just ported over. So I feel like $549 you're actually going to get brand new games to play on that more. Think of it. Think of it from the perspective of if you, I mean, you're playing PC games. And so can you even buy a $500 PC? And the answer is no. No. Let me, let me go ahead and get that out there. The answer (laughs) is no for a PC that can play these games, you know, Uh, unless they're like the indie games or the, you know, the smaller titles, those you might be able to play on, on, on a slower or less powerful computer. But this is a handheld computer, like in in every sense of the word. For an extra hundred bucks, you can get one terabyte of storage. That is a ton of storage. Even for today's games, you will have tons on deck all the time. And the one terabyte version version has the anti-glare edge glass. So it's a lot more easy to play in brighter conditions. Yeah. Like, I just feel like it's extremely decent value for what you get. Now, I have an Xbox and you can play with the controller and your phone. And so I probably won't invest in this because it's much the same of a muchness. Um, But if you don't, or uh, if you have the PlayStation and not an Xbox, I think the Steam Deck makes more sense because it's a little bit more agnostic in terms of the games that you can play. Right, right, right. And I actually, I have considered getting in, and I think if I'm going to get another console of any sort, it would be the Steam Deck because there are a lot of games on my computer that I forget I even have because unless I was playing Baldur's Gate, I wasn't over there playing uh, the the Nocturnal Barista or whatever, like all these indie games that I had had before. And uh, that that I just don't play because I don't, I don't think about them. They're not on the forefront of my mind. So um, whenever I would boot up, and and load steam Baldur's Gate 3 was in my face so there there wasn't there wasn't any choice to pick anything else at that point mm-hmm. um for me the last thing and I, I think I'm going to end on something positive is is uh the there is a uh well if you've if you've been tracking if and this is this is not necessarily it is game related but um I I was a big fan of Avatar the Airbender the last Airbender right um, and they, you know, they made a movie that wasn't good. Um, but the show is beloved and it is great. It's fantastic. It's one of my favorite shows, not just cartoons, but favorite shows. It was just really, really well done. Uh, and I liked Legend of Korra. I liked it because it carried on the story. I didn't like it as much, but I still thought it was really good. They're coming out with a live action version of that uh, on on uh, Netflix. I saw the the most recent trailer, and from what I understand, and based on what I could see, they're very they're being very uh, faithful to the cartoon, yeah. uh, and uh, the, from the characters and the casting and and everything about it. It's it's it looks it look I'm, it's very promising. Um, so that's that's coming out, and and uh, they just released the trailer for that and then arcane 2 if you which is actually a league of legends adjacent game or show oh yeah i've seen that on netflix right yes yeah. if you haven't seen arcane i haven't watched it right now i'm watching it's, Burger Den, leave me be 
<laughs> Which one? Which oh, one are you watching? Bridgerton, leave me be. I'm just, okay, yeah. I'm so far behind on TV trends. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. No, I want to watch. Me. So that that's the most up to date that I have at the moment. <laughs> Well, that, uh, Bodies is on Netflix, and I'd like to watch it, too, because it's supposed to be this tracing through time, this same murder investigation through different four different points in time, which seems pretty cool. But uh, League of Legends, or the our, the first season of Arcane is fantastic. Like, it, I'd never played League of Legends. Like, I couldn't have told you even what kind of game it is. Like, I don't know. I don't play it. I know what it is. But if you were to ask me details about it or characters, I... I would lose if it, if my family's life depended on it. I couldn't answer, but that game or the 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 show was fantastic, and the characters are fleshed out. It was just really done well, and the art style is unlike anything else I've seen in animation. And so um, it was just a very compelling show that uh, about a game that I wasn't that familiar with, and uh, and it, it it actually was. I was one of those people that once I saw it. I was much more excited about maybe going and finding out more about the game because I, I watched the show. Well, they're coming out with a second season, and I want to say it's probably the fourth quarter of next year. So it's a little ways off. Uh, but I do know that, you know, that shows like that and with the writer's strike and all of this, it probably has uh, pushed a lot of these, these uh, tentpole shows and movies back a little bit. But uh, I, I am excited about that. It was a really good show. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, you know, put it after Bridgerton. But at some point, uh, highly recommend uh, checking it out. If it's if a video game, animated video game uh, show is is something that you might be interested in. So yeah, it's Listen, it is I, a good I, show. Definitely I something to catch. I, I will probably jump onto the Fallout bandwagon, but if I have time in between then and there, I did see yes. today and I go. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I I, I would if like not, to see that too. If I'm not Fallout's mistaken, got so much, like so much stuff in it today. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. So as, as you know, when you see this, the writer strike will have a, what ended the day we recorded this. So yeah. Which is so awesome, that's good because that means more new content. <laughs> yeah. Well, that means that means it, and it also means to me, and I and I think this is important. Uh, not being some being people that do create content and do our own content. Uh, I think it is important that the people who do the writing, the ones that that make these shows as interesting, that have these really wonderful ideas that they're going to put onto film and, and paper, uh, are compensated for their work. So I think all of that stuff is is um, I think that's very important. And I'm I'm assuming and again, maybe incorrectly so that they've gotten to a place that everybody can agree that this is this is a place we can move forward. And they didn't uh, concede too much to get to that place. So because um, ah, I'm a rebel and I don't really like authority to begin with. And when somebody's trying to tell me what to do, I don't like it. And so I can imagine these writers being in a similar situation where they've all the powers in the hands of the companies and they're just trying to, you know, get their fair share. So fully Which is fair them. enough. More power to them. That's exactly right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templateofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templateofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to wherever you download your podcast and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us, because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.